Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Culture Conversations. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good. Doing well. Happy belated St. Patrick's Day. Yes. (laughs) As always, I am your host, Miranda Vanier, news editor for The Chronicle, and I am here today with... Micah Thurston. I'm the advertising manager for The Chronicle. And I'm Mike Rundle. I'm a senior photo editor. Heck yeah. All right, guys. Well, um, I don't know, Micah, you want to get us started? No. Today? Why not? I just love shaking it up. <laughs> <laughs> I went first last time. You did. Oh, that's Mike, true. That's okay. Me first? <laughs> Actually, no. We're not <laughs> going to make Mike go first. Man, I was... We're going to stick was... you right in the middle. Okay. okay, thank you. I appreciate that. I was not prepared today. I apologize. That's all right. That's all right. Because I have something I'm pretty excited to talk about. So, um... Last week, it was announced that Netflix was canceling the show One Day at a Time, um, which is a show about a Latinx family. Um, it's really good representation, and it's something that like you don't see on TV a lot. And a lot of people were pretty upset about it, mostly because of this representation going away. Um, and so people on Twitter are kind of like getting up in arms about it. They're saying, like, Netflix just spent... Basically, Netflix just spent in the last couple months $100 million to keep friends on its platform, um, but they're canceling this show because they're saying that it doesn't have enough you viewership. Mean, never mind. What? No, please. <laughs> I was gonna say friends. You mean white living single? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I mean, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of the point. Like they're keeping this show that is very dated and like has a lot of like kind of low-key racist and homophobic remarks in it. Um, and they're spending like millions of dollars for that, but won't keep this really good example of representation. Mm. Um, so that's kind of what I want to talk about today. I I think it's a really interesting point to consider, like, weighing the value of, like, a show that is getting, like, financial feedback, like, which is hard with Netflix because it's not like they're getting advertisers. So it's just, like, people are watching and may- they're assuming that that means that people might subscribe to Netflix so they can continue to watch it. Um, or, like just keeping something that might not be very like financially successful because it has kind of like an ethical value, I guess. I don't know if ethical is really the right word, but like a social value, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I looking at, I, w- I was looking at a variety article um, from January and it was comparing Netflix's funding for original content. And since uh, 2016, it, no, excuse me, since 2017, it has gone up um, 6 million. It, it was at 8.9 in, 8.9 billion, excuse me, it was 8.9 billion in 2017. And in 2019, their funding for original content is $15 billion. And if you look at original content on Netflix's homepage, you see a lot of stuff that, like, you don't hear about. Like, people aren't watching most of Netflix's original content. And shows like One Day at a Time get a lot of critical acclaim. Like, it was it was known as what is, like, a critical darling. So people loved the show, even if a lot of people weren't watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'm wondering, like, what do you guys think a distributor should do if a show is really well-loved and might have, like, social, cultural value, but it's not necessarily making a lot of financial sense for them to keep funding it i feel like it comes down to kind of what the core values of netflix would be and obviously like when it gets to the point of like this like multi-billion dollar company like it's probably not going to end up well like historically right right Mm -hmm. exactly so if they're gonna like retain more people 
by buying friends then i mean i if it's all about the bottom line then that's probably the route that they would go i mean i think at at this point like there's a certain amount of like social responsibility that a platform as big as netflix should take um to like kind of push you know like um like inclusive shows inclusive content just for like the fact that you said that that it is like representation that is often not there especially in shows like friends um but yeah i think it kind of just goes back to like what netflix is like really committed to i guess in a certain sense um i mean and that's kind of speaking in like broader terms but like um i don't know that's kind of the first thing that comes to my mind is as far as like why they would necessarily like push one show over the other mm-hmm. yeah, yeah like in profit you know what do you think Micah? i think the most frustrating thing about netflix is just how their main goal is to push out is it seems like their main goal is to push out as many shows as possible and i've n- no one has ever understood why they do that yeah because obviously if you're releasing dozens of new shows essentially every single day (laughs) like i feel like there's a new netflix original every single day obviously they're all not going to get the same like playground because if you're watching a show you're going to watch that show you're not going to jump to the next so it's like why not give one netflix show a chance to actually get those views and then see how it goes and then maybe make make a next show but i don't know it's just it's really frustrating because there are shows that I've liked as well that don't that don't get renewed for even a second season. And it's like you literally didn't give this show a chance whatsoever, yeah. um, despite the fact that it was really good. Um, and, yeah, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that they just push out so many different shows and movies all the time. And it's like, just relax, slow down. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't understand why they do that. I don't think anybody does. It's I like totally agree. Quality or quantity over quality. Yeah, exactly. and it's like, why would you want that? Yeah. yeah, I was actually, I was reading an article about this from, I think like last April or something. And it was this guy talking, like comparing Netflix's model to HBO's. Because HBO has like, pretty limited original content but they always like it's always very quality like they put a lot of effort into like the writing and the production value Mm -hmm. and netflix does seem to have this like baffling business model where they're just making ultimately like garbage and then not marketing any of it Mm -hmm. so like so much of it just goes between the the cracks and then they market like five shows like they market movies like will smith's bright which was like not good i forgot <laughs> about that like, one yeah yeah like it, it wasn't good a lot of people said it was very weird and because like, <laughs> it was <laughs> but like it i i don't understand why they choose to market something like that over something like one day at a time when it which is getting like critical acclaim mm. because if they had decided like oh this is having a like a social and cultural impact and like we should have a responsibility to like keep funding it and we could choose to do that by marketing it i feel like if they were actually really pushing that show i think it would have gotten better viewership and they probably would have had a better reason to keep it but because they choose to market their weird weird original content like their their strange sci-fi movies and like their like i don't know i just don't I understand know. they release so many sci-fi movies like how <laughs> many movies about aliens and the world ending can you make right? i mean honestly and all of it is like like you said like not good like yeah. i yeah. think a couple of times my girlfriend and i will just like sit down and watch a few netflix movies that are like 
we know we're gonna be bad, but we watch. It's like watching like Hallmark movies. Yeah, around right. Christmas. Are they it's becoming like, the new Lifetime, yeah. where there's yeah. a new <laughs> Lifetime movie lifetime every day it's and so they're all trash? Though. Yeah. Please don't do that, Netflix. Like <laughs> you're you're killing yourself here. Yeah. You're, you're playing like yourself. They're already there. Like I yeah. don't. I, I truly don't understand why they have this. $15 billion budget for original content if they're just going to try to make as many shows as possible instead of a few good shows. Right. Like, I, I really, I wonder what that is. Like, I can't just, wrap my mind around it. Yeah, like, are it's they just so trying weird. to, like, populate their platform? Like, are they losing things and they're trying to just, like, make it look like they're not losing things? Like, there's I more mean, on there? Like, it makes you think about a lot of different factors that could, like... Netflix is so interesting because, like, okay, I don't have the number in front of me, but I know that Netflix is, like, very much in debt. Like, mm. they are... I mean, their share their shareholders are like pretty upset with them consistently, <laughs> and so I think that like maybe it's their constant desperate ploy to just try and get like whatever market they can because mm. a lot of their shows they also like so they have a lot of those like weird B movies and then they also have like weird children's shows that no one really watches <laughs> and they have like I don't know they, they also have like a lot of like Korean dramas and stuff and they're like marketed into like other foreign mm -hmm. like films and shows and I think it's really just they're trying to appeal to as many people as possible mm -hmm. well I think um in terms of like marketing different like for k-pop yeah not k-pop sorry <laughs> Korean films um remember that thing that came out about how they were only marketing like like they would change the cover photo depending yeah. on your race or what they assumed your race to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That might have something to do with, you know, what people are seeing as well. Because I've never seen the one day at a time thing. I've never even heard of it until now. And that might have something to do with what shows they're marketing to me right. on my Netflix. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I guess mm -hmm. I didn't really think about that until now. Mm -hmm. Like that's the other thing about Netflix. They are shrouded in secrecy. Because they do not have the demand that, like, network and cable has to release viewership numbers. Mm -hmm. So we don't know how many people are actually watching any given Netflix show or movie. Mm -hmm. Like, it's all, like, everything they do is behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. And, like, they just choose to release information. Like, when Bird Box was a big thing, they said that it had, like, I don't know, like, some, some million number of views in the first weekend it was out. And that's also not unverified. that good of a movie. Yeah, also not a good movie. But, like, <laughs> that's unverified. We have no way of actually knowing if that's true. They could just say that. Mm -hmm. And, like, there wouldn't really be any legal recourse anyone could take. They could mm -hmm. just say it. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I It's really interesting. And someone else had a really good point that, like, Netflix chooses to fund shows like 13 Reasons Why which there have been, like, connections Has, between yes. children, like, self-harming and, mm -hmm. like, doing really terrible things to themselves because they were triggered or, like, mm -hmm. some how the show was glorifying certain actions. Mm -hmm. And Netflix chooses to continue to fund that because they know people watch it yeah. out of, like, a kind of morbid curiosity. That's so disturbing and that's, to yeah. me. That's unethical. Like, I, I really believe that that is unethical. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I'm not surprised that they are choosing <laughs> not to, like, push or try to save one day at a time. But, like... yeah. Man, it's so interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty and messed up. I just want to like the thing that goes like going back to like the viewership numbers and things like mm -hmm. that. Like, I'm a big fan of Brooklyn Nine Nine. So mm -hmm. like when uh, Fox canceled that and like every, like the whole social media world like came to the rescue yeah. essentially. Like <laughs> I feel like with One Day at a Time, like I like didn't really know that much about it and like I, I hadn't really seen it on my Netflix type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't really know, but with all of like the social like 
like uproar about it like right. i feel like i'm now more likely to watch that like i'm more interested in it exactly. so like like the idea of like going to cancel it and then like basically making like earned media pr from the idea of canceling it yeah like could just automatically lead to more viewership like whether that was their intention or not so like it's a really good point I don't know if whether it'd be a thing, another like Brooklyn Nine Nine thing mm -hmm. where, um, like, like NBC picks it up, or right? Something. Yeah, another yeah. major network picks it up, or Netflix is like somehow has a change yeah, of heart we'll where they're it. like, yeah, I guess yeah. we might as well save this because there's it's so a much great support. Point. But yeah, um. it's so interesting because Brooklyn Nine Nine does have better numbers on NBC than exactly. it on Fox. Yeah, so interesting. All right, Mike. Well, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so I recently purchased the uh, or my first tickets to an official music festival, um, and it's it's called Hinterland. It's in St. Charles, <clears throat> Iowa, and it's like Casey Musgraves, Brandy Carlisle, Hozier, oh my God. Uh, Maggie Rogers, etc. Really <laughs> I do yeah. not know any of those names <laughs> except for Hozier. <laughs> yeah. So like it was that was the thing that like spurred myself and like to buying these tickets mm -hmm. was like the fact that the line was amazing because typically I'm not one to spend like a couple hundred bucks on festival tickets sure um and I know we kind of talked about this beforehand but you neither of you have been to a festival no. like mm -hmm. an official one and I like I just I haven't either mm -hmm. so I kind of <laughs> want to just bring up the idea of like why haven't we been to one yet yeah. like is it just like cost prohibitive or is it like because every year i'm like oh my god i'm gonna go to lala like mm -hmm. paul mccartney is headlining like i can't miss it and then i just don't and right. i'm like i can't and i think the same like, wow <laughs> it comes down to it like i can't afford to spend this much money yeah um but like i saw something that was like you think about it, it's like you have this many artists you spend like 200 bucks on a ticket like it averages out to like two dollars and fifty cents per artist that's a lot so if you okay. think about it that way it's like yeah I don't know. It's just like an interesting thing. It's like we always drive by Lollapalooza being at Columbia. Mm -hmm. And um, this festival actually is the same weekend as Lollapalooza, I think, oh, wow. this year. So, like, obviously, I won't be able to make yeah. that. But um, I don't know. I just think, like, why why do we think it's been – and because a lot of times it's like, oh, my gosh, like, I want to go to this music festival for, like, you know, like, elite daily articles. Like, mm -hmm. I want to go to this festival because, like, it changed my life and, like <laughs> – that type of thing and People it's like really do say that like i don't know i don't know how much i believe that like, <laughs> okay so actually actually this is kind of interesting my my roommate um shout out montana tabby white she is a live and performing arts management major here at columbia and her dream is to have a music festival that's mm -hmm. like all she wants to do with her life. Mm -hmm. And she has stories of like she she went to like Electric Forest in high school and said that it was like very influential for her. And like she she just she sees like some kind of like art form in it. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Like I think that that's interesting and like an aspect of it that I would never think yeah. about ever. <laughs> just like building the experience. Yeah, exactly. So, so like on the production side. Right. It's like my dream is to have this festival just to be able to like put it on. Right. Which I feel like that would be cool like to be able to put yeah. something like it together. Like it's, it's essentially just like a giant experiential marketing campaign. It's like, so interesting to me though because when I think about music festivals like they all look the same in my head. Like I don't <laughs> think of them as being like unique experiences. I think mm. that they would all be like 16 year olds like going to their first concerts and like right 
I don't know. Like, it just doesn't... I think that's always been the thing for me, because I... There have been so many festivals that I really wanted to go to when I've seen a lineup. Like, there's one... It's called, like, Mopop or something mm-hmm. in Detroit. Yeah. And I just saw the lineup for that, and I was like, oh, that looks really good. Like, Lizzo's going to be there. Like, I want to see that. But then I was like, I don't... It feels like such a thing. Like, it's such an ordeal. I have yeah. to commit to that for a whole weekend. I have to, like be around enormous crowds for like 48 <laughs> hours like it just it sounds like such a thing that i'm not terribly interested in such a I daunting think. task yeah. exactly it's it's like a it's much more of an, a commitment than just going to a concert i think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that is less appealing to me somehow yeah. Yeah, yeah like you're you're when you're talking about like they all look the same like when i think of yeah. music festival i think of like giant crowd extremely muddy everyone's really drunk and food like, is overpriced. Food is I over, can't like, bring my own water. So, yeah, exactly. It's like, like $5 for a bottle yeah. of water. So that like, just sounds gross. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. sound adorable. Yeah. Like, that's that's what I was thinking, too. Like, I don't... Like, yeah. Lollapalooza, like, okay, I might, like, stand outside the fence and listen. But, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, I'll go inside and watch. Like, yeah. I don't know. I just can't... I agree. And I, like... Like, this is... Burning Man is a different beast, <laughs> but, like, Burning Man is the most unique festival experience that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Like, everything else just seems like it would have the same vibe. Yeah. No matter what the lineup is, I feel like it would just feel the same. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Yeah, That's I not mean, exciting to me. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the one thing, I'm not, this is not, like, a promotion for this festival at all, <laughs> like, in any means, but, like, the, the this hinterland that we we're going to mm-hmm. is that, like, the thing that drew me to me about it was, like, a lot of the uh a lot of the um like images that you would see from the festival like in they had a lot of like families there so it was like and us also St. Charles Iowa is like has like i think like 2000 people or less mm-hmm. like wow. in the town i think it's like a lot less actually okay. it might be hundreds but it's outside of like Des Moines area mm-hmm. and like it, they have like a like a kids zone and then like there's oh. kids like hanging out with like their parents and like these hammocks and like it seems just like very like chilled out and laid yeah. back which and then all also like a lot of the acts are very like acoustic based, so I'm like that sounds nice. Like that sounds <laughs> a little bit better than yeah. be, like going to like like what like some like Miami they have like an like an EDM fest or something like yeah. that and where everyone's just like freaking out the whole time. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> yeah, like, and like I think there are certain like I know that now that I think about it isn't like Bonnaroo's whole thing is that everyone camps or something. Yeah, and I like think that's. So. If you have something like that, I think that is a way to make me more interested if it has, like, some kind of, like, niche or, like, quirk to it. Mm-hmm. But in general, just the idea of a music festival, I just have a very specific picture in my head, and I can't, like, deviate from that. I can't picture, mm-hmm. like, that sounds different. But for the most part, they all yeah. sound the same. <laughs> yeah. Michael, what, do you, what would be, like, the one thing that would get you to come to a music festival? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just i think for me the thing that's like that i haven't wanted to go to one is just like the culture of it because mm. like when i think about a music festival it doesn't really like it's not really about the music i feel like i feel like it's more about like the experience like you said mm-hmm. like it's an experiential thing um it's about like the outfits you wear and the makeup you do and the drugs you do totally. and the mm-hmm. drinks you drink and the Instagram pictures you get and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, that's just not really my thing. I'm also very introverted, so I'm like being around that many people all the time sounds awful, as well as the fact like muddy, like 
Mm-hmm. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm like kind of a germaphobe, so that just sounds disgusting. Like yeah. being sweaty and dirty for three days straight. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. And then um, I guess the only festival that I would ever go to is there's one called like Afropunk or something like that. Oh sure, something yeah. like yeah. that. Um, I think you guys know for obvi- obvious reasons why. <laughs> um, but other than that, yeah, I've just never really been interested in any of them. Yeah. Um, that makes not sense. my thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's totally <laughs> rational because, like, yeah. obviously none of us have ever been yeah. interested enough <laughs> to go. To and, I guess, like, and also the price tag. I think that, right. like, you were right. That I don't, too. Like, yeah. if it was... If it was like fifty dollars, that would be different. I mean the the tickets that we okay, so we got this so this festival that we're going to is only in its like fifth year, I think. So okay. like this might be different, but so all of those artists and it was it's a three day thing and it was you you could buy a like a general admission pass for three days and it was like hundred and fifty bucks. That's not bad. So like that's not bad at all. For that because, lineup like, especially, I if you're think. thinking like if you're gonna pay to see like if like Casey Musgraves were to come to Chicago, right. You'd be paying like probably half minimum seventy bucks yeah. a ticket to like just to go see her. So and, if like, you're saying like so, her like, and right, like, so, like yeah, the, like your Grammy winners, like it's a I don't know I I'm just really excited for this one and I think it's that's like the first one that given all of the uh, variables that we've talked about like mm-hmm. i think that's the first I time i will say been. i almost went to pitchfork last year just because lauren hill was going mm. but then she was like two hours late for her set so i was like i'm glad i didn't go <laughs> see the i classic uh, lauren hill <laughs> <laughs> i almost went to pitchfork last year no lala i almost i almost got a one day pass to lala because uh carly ray jepsic was supposed to play but <laughs> oh, then she had awesome. an after show so i just went to the after show oh, cool. Smart. so uh, just just get after show tickets guys yeah. don't go to real yeah, festivals that, that's the lesson of this podcast <laughs> just get after show tickets <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, <laughs> now that we've decided on that yeah <laughs> micah what do you want to talk about Ooh. <laughs> um, my topic feels kind of deeper but it's not really um I want to talk about uh, New Zealand. I don't want to talk about the actual attacks or anything mm-hmm. like that, just kind of the media coverage that's happened after it. So all of us have heard of Egg Boy, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. You guys mm-hmm. have heard of Egg Boy? Yeah. yeah. So I went on Twitter this morning, and that was the first thing that popped up when I refreshed my feed. And then I went to the entertainment section, the news section, and the fun section, and everything was about Egg Boy. Wow. And I was like, okay, we get it. This kid, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, following the um, terroristic attacks on the mosque in New Zealand, um, an Australian senator, I can't remember his name, something Anning, basically essentially said that... um, the attacks had to do with people's fear of Muslims, um, so basically victim blaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, a teenage boy went up to the senator and like smashed an egg on his head. And then the most disturbing part to me was the fact that the senator then punched him in the face twice, mm-hmm. and then like four people tackled the kid, and yeah. then the kid was arrested. And it's like that kid was seventeen. Like yeah. regardless of your opinion on him egging the senator you know he just assaulted a minor on tv that was very interesting to me and then the kid was arrested but anyway so after that people made a gofundme for the kid he's been trending all over twitter and stuff like that um he's become a meme as well Mm -hmm. and then um luckily though he's donating the 
funds from his Go- GoFundMe to the victims of the attacks, the survivors wow. of the attacks. So that was that. nice. That is nice. But uh, I think that one person that a lot of people haven't heard about is the man that actually like stopped the shooter, yeah. the active shooter at the mosque. Um, his name was Abdul Aziz, and he um, was a member of the mosque as well as um, a father of four. And they were all present when the shooter was there. The shooter killed 49 people. And he would have killed a lot more if Abdul Aziz hadn't stopped the man. But the thing is, is that I haven't, I've only seen one article about Abdul Aziz. One article. Yeah. And so I'm just wondering, like, what is a hero (laughs) to people? That's a really good question. Um, What is the, like how low are our standards that we would make this kid this egg boy kid a national sensation and no one has heard anything about the man that was at the scene of the crime yeah i don't know what do you guys think (laughs) i just talked a lot i mean i think right off the bat the first thing that comes to my mind is just like what people are more like liable to latch on to um and I I mean, it's kind of sad that like immediately like like just the the, the idea that like this this man kind of just goes unnoticed from in the in the face of like so this kid that like like had an act of rebellion against a politician like mm-hmm. um, and, and I think it just kind of goes back to like just meme culture in general mm-hmm. and people just being like like oh this is hilarious like i'm more liable to share this than mm-hmm. something that's like actually like sent like more sentimental and more like heartfelt um yeah if that makes sense um yeah i think that there's like there's something to be said about what the 24-hour news cycle and like constant access to social media has done to how we interact with like news like that mm-hmm. and i think that like egg boy i don't know his name i don't either (laughs) (laughs) um i think that like first there was a video so i think that people that was like easily Mm memeable and it was a way for people to make light of some aspect of the situation um because it was incredibly heartbreaking so it was Mm -hmm. a way to like make it almost funny or like I think it's also easier for people to relate to him than to relate to Abdul because I do not know if I would be able to stop an active shooter Mm -hmm. if that was a situation that was happening but I might throw an egg at a senator (laughs) like I don't know like that it feels like a more accessible thing like Mm -hmm. oh this guy like he's just like us whereas like Abdul, I think, is a real hero. Like, that is, like, a mm-hmm. thing that, like, most people could not do. So it feels like a less accessible person to talk about or share, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And it's also, I think it, it does feel less shareable, which, like, I don't think is right. But it it, it almost feels like when you just share the egg boy thing, you're not 
reminding people of what happened really you're just reminding people like oh like politicians suck or whatever mm-hmm. whereas like if you're sharing the story of abdul it's like this is like here here's the heavy thing that happened right like, mm-hmm. this guy did this really real thing when this horrible incident was occurring like mm-hmm. i think it, that has to do with what mike said about the meme culture mm-hmm. and how everything needs to be comedic and everything needs to be a joke and how we deal with those types of things i yeah. think that's that probably explains it to a t what do you guys think about that? Like us trying to make light of something like that? I don't know. I mean, I th- th- that reminds me of like just everything being like a coping mechanism for, like, you know, like because in general, like our generation specifically has become so like desensitized to like everything. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think that's why though we've become like when we make a joke about it, it's like we're allowing ourselves to be complacent. And yeah. not, like, deal with the s- seriousness of the situation mm-hmm. and how, y- yeah. yeah. Yeah, not to get, like, too political on the culture yeah. podcast, but, yeah. like, <laughs> uh, like they're, the fact that New Zealand is already, I think, like, this morning, they, like, confirmed that they were, ch- like, changing their gun laws. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I think they're banning, like, semi-automatic. Yeah. Right, yeah. like, w- and it's, like... Like that. Uh, right, it, it, that, yeah. that's just the thing that, like, is so incredible to me that's like oh you can just do that like right. and um you can make changes right like, yeah. <laughs> like um uh it you I, I don't know like i just, yeah complacency and like the fact that we're not like because for me sometimes it gets to a point where i'm like i don't know like what else to do to um like try to help a situation like politically mm-hmm. like i it's got to a point for me sometimes where i'm like everything is like just built against us like i like us meaning like kind of our generation and like especially like the new like the tax bill or anything like education like loan forgiveness being cut and like things like that like it gets to the point of like i almost feel like like uh, hopeless to like for lack of a better term but um and then like maybe in like like in th- a way to cope with that a way to deal with that is through like this meme culture we of, even make jokes yeah. about that too like ah, lol i'm so in debt right like, exactly yeah like, that's not funny right? yeah our yeah. government needs to help us yeah. out with that <laughs> yeah. there's no reason why college students should be million like thousands of dollars in debt that's yeah. insane mm-hmm. and but i yeah. see it like i see people talk about like media that are that show examples of millennials and they're like no media has ever really captured like the grim like nihilism that really mm-hmm. sums up our generation because we all have like i think a very like dark cutting sense of humor because it's like well this all sucks and there's nothing we can do about it yeah mm-hmm. like i think we all like in general i think that's a, that's an attitude that our generation has mm-hmm. and so i think that like spreading around things like egg boy is just an example of that. It's like, here's mm-hmm. this ridiculous thing that happened like on the periphery of this horrible event. Like, mm-hmm. this is just what the world is. Right. The word egg boy just reminds me of that scene from It, where he's like, <laughs> <laughs> have you seen it? I, where he's like oh chasing him through the library and he goes, egg boy. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay, right. sorry. It was honestly a hilarious movie. <laughs> that sorry. was not a horror movie, it was just a comedy. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. I think that like, it's just us trying to grasp onto that sliver of humor. Um, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think it's okay for us to do that personally. Uh, but I think that it is a hard truth that we are more likely to do that than to acknowledge someone like Abdul's actions. Mm-hmm. But don't get us wrong. Like, he definitely deserves recognition yeah. for what he did. Because mm-hmm. it's 
like like we said the the truly hero- heroic thing in that in that situation yeah so but egg boy you're okay too <laughs> anyway um guys let's end things on a slightly happier note yeah what are your happy things Please. for this week who wants to start I can start. <laughs> um, so J.K. Uh, J.K. Rowling came out and said that uh, Dumbledore and Grindelwald had a vigorously sexual yeah, relationship. Okay, wait, wait. Yeah, can, I, can I just interject? Who? Okay, remind me again. It's been a while. Who is Grindelwald? Grindelwald. He was the evil dark wizard before Voldemort. That Dumbledore like was friends with yeah. and then had to stop. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't. But also I more than recall. Friends, apparently. I don't recall. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm out. I, just strike me out of this conversation. Uh, <laughs> but no, that's not the thing that like made me happy. It was because that's <laughs> weird. Um, it was the the it. memes that came out afterwards. They were just so funny. Of like, just there were so many good. Ones. I love Harry Potter, but just the mocking of how J.K. Rowling just adds so many different dimensions that don't need yeah, to be there. Yeah, she's editorialized the yeah. entire plot. <laughs> One of my favorite tweets was by Nate McDermott. He said, nobody. Colon. J.K. Rowling. Colon. Hogwarts was super diverse, exceptionally gay, extremely homoerotic, and there were a ton of black and Jewish kids, too. I just didn't write about any of them, but they were there. Trust me. Oh, my God. Yikes. And I was like, accurate. <laughs> I have smiled every time I've seen one of those memes. So. Yeah. yeah. She just needs to write another book, I think. Yeah, I agree. Just like That's, we, we that's what she wants closure. to do, clearly. Yeah. We need it. Yeah. Uh, my happy thing is that Lily Singh, a.k.a. I.I. Superwoman I.I. from YouTube, just took over, or is going to take over next fall, Carson Daly's late night talk show slot oh, on NBC. So she will be right along there with Jimmy Fallon and Seth Meyers. And she is a bisexual Indian-Canadian woman. She is, like, dope as hell. I'm really <laughs> excited. Yeah. So that was great and made me super happy because cool. she's going to be the first female and queer and person of color host of a late night talk show on like a major network nice. so go Lily sing yeah <laughs> progress yeah we're, we're getting, getting there, there. <laughs> getting there mike uh my happy thing is that i saw on twitter this morning that the uh so it was saint patrick's day yesterday mm-hmm. and on saturday was the dying of the chicago river and the some people on twitter are um using it as a green screen because it was so green <laughs> uh, <That's> so good <laughs> So, uh, like, for example, I don't know if this is where it originated, but the account that I saw it from was at Two Claws Media, and, uh, like, the it was just, like, an aerial shot of the river being, like, really green, <laughs> and he, they, like, used all these effects, so, like, now it looks like, oh, there's, like, spaceships flying under these boats, and, like, it looks like lava, and they're all falling down into the I lava. Love that. and, That's hilarious. That's really yeah. pure. It was, yeah. It was, it was really cool. What I, if there's anything that good that can come out of dying our river green? Yep. Green screen. Giant green screen. It's not going to be the pollutions. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. No, I'm sure it's not totally polluted. (laughs) Anyway, well, thank you all so much for listening. Special thanks to WCRX, Chicago's Underground, and we will see you all again in two weeks.